Good morning. Do just a quick audio check. Some of these mics are new to me. We we good in the back there, Brian? Okay, good. Thank you. My name is Ben Stutzman, and I'm not Chris. Uh, Chris is on vacation, much needed vacation. Chris and Lorenda are down at Disneyland, and Kyle gets a break this week. Kyle and Rebecca get a break this week because uh, baby Williams is almost here. So that is exciting. Praise God. Uh, thank you to everyone, all the jobs that go into a Sunday and, and every one of our meetings. I'm just so thankful to everyone. There's a lot going on, a lot of people serving. Also, thank you to everyone who put countless overtime hours into VBS last week. That was an excellent event. And um, thank you to everyone in this church for decades of Bible teaching um, and a special emphasis on teaching our children, our teens, our college age, our young people uh, about the Bible and about Jesus Christ. That intergenerational teaching and fellowship is so precious to me. Speaking of VBS and kids, I have to confess, last week I was a bad reporter. Some of you may have, uh, remember there were a bunch of wonderful balloon decorations up here, and Chris was up here thanking uh, Rachel and her t- Rachel Williams and her team. Thank you so much for the decorations. And he used a figure of speech. He said, and no one has mentioned the the elephant in the room, and he meant these decorations of cactuses. I was back in, in the seats with my family, and when Chris said, no one has mentioned the elephant in the room, my son turned to my wife and said, there is an elephant in this room, and I need to find it. <laughs> so I heard that briefly, and then I went out and told other people, uh, a, a bit of a stretcher, right? I, it was the same story, but it was that Anna had heard that, and she thought it was an actual elephant in the room. So I apologize. I stretched the truth a little bit there, and that's not good. I was not a good reporter. I should have checked with the primary source, my wife. Uh, she's a good reporter. And I, lo- I love her. This is not an official point, but there's one for you guys out there. I should have checked with my wife. That's, that's a pretty, pretty good one there. Why is a good reporter so important? Why do we pay people to attend events like, like political events and, and sports and, and give us a report? Why do we pay them for that? I think their job is to tell us what happened. Um, their, job is, uh, their job is to tell us what was said. Uh, they are a witness. They were there. And then they testify that this is the truth. But if you notice, a lot of times there's also someone there that's paid for commentary. That's the person that gives us the human connection. Some of the emotions. They know the people. They've interviewed them. We get some personal stories. I think a good reporter makes something that's remarkable and a little bit unbelievable. They accurately report the truth. And I think John, the the beloved disciple of Jesus is an excellent reporter. Today I'm going to do a lot of reporting from his gospel in the 11th chapter. When you see something in red, that's the words of Jesus, what was said by Jesus, like your Bible. That's the most important thing I can report on. But when you see something in my slides in purple, that's somewhere where I see some emotion, some commentary, 
And that's where um, I will let you know when it's my commentary. It's something I've thought and prayed about and looked at the text. So I think John does a little bit of both. Uh, there's, there's both reporting and connection. You can open your Bibles up to the 11th chapter of John. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, we're talking about Jesus, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. If you're using the Bibles in the chairs in front of you, that's page 1063 and 1064. I have three points today for us. Jesus turns confusion to God's glory. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And Jesus comforts and grieves with those he loves. In last week's sermon, before we jump into the text, Jesus was in Jerusalem. A group of people asked him, are you the Christ? And he answered, yes, I give life, I give my sheep or followers eternal life. And the Father, God, is in me, and I, the Son, am in the Father. We're the different parts of the same God. Some of these people did not understand that. They did not understand the Trinity, and they got very angry, and they picked up stones and tried to kill him. And they also tried to grab him. But he escaped to the other side of the Jordan River, and he taught some other people, and many believed in him. So that's where we pick up in the text in John chapter 11, verse 1, Jesus is getting an urgent message from friends that he loves. Verse 1 through 8. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Chris will be reporting on that account next week. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet, when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? I see a lot of confusion in this passage. Oh, excuse me, not in the passage. I see a lot of confusion in the people, not in God's word. A lot of confusion in the people. That's important. <laughs> um, there's quite a few here. Uh, number one, there's, there's some confusion with Martha and Mary. Lord, the one you love is sick. There's confusion around sickness and health. What's going to happen? Then there's also some confusion, I think, with the disciples. Jesus says, this is for God's glory. God's Son will be glorified through it. If you didn't know about this miracle, it could be confusing. How could God be glorified through this sickness? I think there's some emotion, too. It says that Jesus loved this family. But the confusion, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed there two more days. Why? Why the delay? Then I think there's also some uh, confusion 
the disciples just don't want to go back to Jerusalem for good reason. There were people picking up rocks, wanting to stone them. That's some legitimate confusion. Jesus clears up some of this confusion in verse 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. I think there's uh, also some confusion here. Before this, there's a bit in the text where there's a little more confusion. Jesus kind of tells a mini parable about daylight and, and darkness, and he uses a euphemism, our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. The disciples are confused. Well, if he's sleeping, can, can he just get better, maybe take a nap, feel better? Do we have to go back to Jerusalem? It's dangerous there. There's quite a bit of confusion. Um, and then Jesus clears up a lot of that and says, frankly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad he was, I was not there. I'm going to do this so that you can believe. There's also, I think, some emotion, um, maybe some confusion from Thomas. But I think it's really interesting. Thomas gets the reputation as a practical doubter later on in the Gospels. But look at that statement. Even though I don't think Thomas wants to go, he says, let us also go that we may die with him. What faith and what courage to say, I don't really want to go, but I'm going to walk back into that city where they threw rocks at us, and if I need to, I'll die with Jesus alongside of him. Amazing courage, I think. Now we're going to read verse 17 through 22. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. I want to highlight real quickly, there's still some confusion here. Martha says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Remember that message too, uh, Lord, the one you love is sick. A little bit of commentary here. I think when, they, when the sisters send word to Jesus, they're not just telling the news, Lord, Lazarus is sick. There's also kind of an implied, and we would like you to come here and heal him. Jesus has done this sort of thing in the past. He's the one with the power to do it. I think it's interesting, I put up on the slide here, uh, there's some real emotion, I think, a commentary here, but their responses to Jesus, their first line, are almost identical. Martha says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know now that even uh, God will give you whatever you ask. Mary says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Why didn't you come? You could have done something. He might not be dead. There's also a similar one. The mourners also say, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? I think there's real confusion here. And um, 
that may have been in the mourning process. They've been mourning. He's been dead four days. They've had three nights, four days, somewhere around there. That may have been the narrative or, or what people were asking or saying. Jesus, if you had come quicker, Lazarus would still be alive. Now we're going to read verse 22 through 27. Um, So Martha says, But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. In an earlier story, Jesus visited Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Martha sometimes gets the reputation as the distracted hostess who cares more about getting food on the table than uh, Mary, who listens to Jesus and is praised for that. But Martha steps up here. She's grieving. She's confused. She's hurting. But she testifies about the resurrection in the last days. And Jesus says, I'm more powerful than the death of your brother. I'm more powerful than the natural world. I'm more powerful than the last days. I'll do this today, and I'll give glory to God. When Jesus says, I am, those are powerful words. Those are old words. Go back to Moses in Exodus. I am who I am, says God. It's kind of like saying, when it's like Jesus saying, me is God, and God is me. We're different parts of the same God. I am the power that will bring your brother out of that tomb. I am the life. I am the way to the Father. I'm the source of eternal life. I'm how you get to heaven. What I'm about to do, you will see the glory of God through. Do you believe this? And later on, after the miracle, after the resurrection, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? This sickness and this delay, I'm going to turn it into something that points to God. Pardon me just a second here. Okay, we're going to take advantage of this mic here. Uh, Apologies, and we'll get this going here. Now we're going to read chapter, or verse 28 through 37. After she had said this, and we're going to talk about grief and confusion with Mary. After Martha had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. 
When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Mary brings a group of mourners to the tomb. This is the seventh public sign in the Gospel of John. Big signs for all to see and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he have opened the eyes of the blind man and kept this man from dying? A couple points here. Um, Jesus is weeping. He's deeply moved. And he asks, where have you laid him? He goes and sees. They say, come and see. And he goes and sees. He goes to the tomb. He faces that tomb full of dead bodies and death. He chooses to grieve with Mary. He goes there. There are other times where Jesus is kind of healed on the road, and by the time he gets there, it's taken care of. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't hang in the back of the crowd. He asks, where is Mary? And he goes to her, and they go to the grave, and they grieve together. There's something comforting about how Jesus goes to the tomb. He confronts the place of death, and he grieves for his friend with the family, and he weeps. Before this in Luke and Mark, there are two times where Jesus raises people from the dead. There's Jairus' daughter and the widow of Nain's son. Both times he says something like, why are you crying to the mourners, or don't weep? But here he weeps with Mary. Why does he do that? I don't know exactly why. This, this is a little commentary here. The text says, John, or John in his text says, Jesus loves this family, and he loved Mary. Maybe that's what she needed in that moment. Someone to be with her, and someone to cry with her. Have you ever prayed a prayer like Mary and Martha? Lord, the one you love is sick. Or maybe, Lord, I am sick. Or maybe, Lord, the one you love has died. You're wounded, and someone Christ-like has been there to grieve with you, comfort you, and cry with you, and love you too. Grief and comfort and love can happen at the same time. The great philosopher Daniel Tiger from Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood taught me that sometimes you feel two feelings at the same time, and that's okay. We're going to pick back up in the story here on slide, uh, on this slide. Um, if you're a visual person, you get to see Rembrandt and Vincent van Gogh's illustrations uh, with wonderful emotion and power. Rembrandt often uses light to signify action and power. Um, 
Van Gogh was too poor to hire models, so he copied Rembrandt's painting here. He flipped it, and you just see Jesus' arm, but you see um, Mary, I think that's Mary, with the relief and the comfort. And you also see a red beard there. Van Gogh had red hair. Some people think he put himself in Lazarus's place because he was familiar with suffering and grief. I'm going to pick back up in uh, um, verse 38. Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there was a bad odor, for he has been in there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his head and hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. It's an amazing miracle. It's the power of resurrection, new life. Commentary. Some early church scholars thought Jesus had said, had to say, Lazarus, come out and give his name because he's standing in a big community tomb and he had so much power. If he had said, come out, hundreds of people would have come out of the mountainside of that tomb. I can't comment on how well Jesus could aim that power, I truly don't know. But I do think it's an interesting thought because John reports that he had more than enough power to bring Lazarus back, and he has the power to bring himself back in a few more chapters at his own resurrection and and to bring us back at the end days as well. We don't hear a whole lot more from uh, from Lazarus. He was at a dinner in Bethany. Chris may touch on that um, next week. He was reclining with Jesus at dinner, either sitting with him. A few scholars have said he was kind of leaning on him, just, wow, I'm so thankful I'm back. I love you, Jesus. I don't know which one it is. Um, We do know he got some more time. He didn't get a ticket to a life without pain. Uh, He did have to face death again. The religious leaders of the day feared Jesus, but many people believed in him, and the religious leaders tried to kill Jesus and Lazarus, who had just been brought back cover things up, and protect their agenda. But on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in Jesus. One more painting here, uh, The Raising of Lazarus by Michael Cook. I don't think I need to say a whole lot of that. I think there's enough emotion and power in that painting right there. Three points for us. Jesus turns confusion to God's glory. 
So a lot of times we ask things like, Lord, the one you love is sick. Sometimes God says, yes, I've got a quick answer and quick power. Sometimes God says, no, you have to wait for a while. That's very hard. Sometimes God says, no, I have a better plan. That's hard too. There's all kinds of things that could confuse us in today. Um, Sickness, death, war, things in life, things with our family. But Jesus turns confusion to God's glory. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He's the power. He's the life. And Jesus comforts us and grieves with us. If you're grieving, Jesus is there to provide comfort. I think John was really telling the truth. He wasn't telling a stretcher like I was last week and getting it misconstrued. He was reporting with some commentary too. He testifies that he was there. He loved Jesus. Uh, In the middle of that slide, John 20 and 9, after Jesus is resurrected, uh, there's a little aside at the tomb and, and he says, the disciples did not understand Jesus had to rise from the dead. See that verse above? Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He can't be defeated by death. You don't mix death and life. Jesus had to rise from the dead. It was God's plan. And we're going to see that play out as Jesus goes into the last part of his trial, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And then at the very end of John's report, he says, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? If you have needs of the church today, I'm going to be back in the back on the, on the couches back there, happy to talk about anything. Questions, confusion, comfort, grief. We also have a prayer team ready to pray with you, ready to, to pray with anyone over anything. If you'd like to study the Bible more, you still have questions. Resurrection, that's a big one. That's a big question. Um, Someone coming back from the dead. If you have questions, that's good. If you remember Thomas, the guy said, well, let's just go die with him. He had a lot of questions too. He needed some proof. He had to work through it. If you'd like to be baptized, Jesus dies, died, was resurrected, and rose back to heaven. Baptism washes our sins away. We're kind of like Lazarus, rising out of that tomb. We rise out of the water to be new and different. We get another chance. And Jesus offers us salvation and eternal life in heaven. We can talk about that too. Thank you for your attention. That's my uh, message. And uh, Michael.